choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Can I feel out? Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis and you're listening to episode 264 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 13, Orbit, Translunar Injection, Docking, and Extraction. I'm going to start training for 16, I'm sure. Go, sir. Training for 16, looking for Chuck Berry, the doctor. What's the story on engine 5? Jim Houston, we don't have a story on why the inboard out was early, but the... for that audio skipping. The liftoff of Apollo 13 occurred at 1313 Central Daylight Time and proceeded uneventfully 
through first stage. The five engines of the second stage of the Saturn V ignited and burned smoothly for five and a half minutes. Then the center engine unexpectedly shut down. Milt Windier's team at Mission Control quickly reviewed the status of the remaining four engines, ran the computations for the new engine cutoff times, and passed them to the crew. But why did the second stage center engine shut down early? Here's Fred Hayes answering that question. At any rate, the center engine failed. And the reason it failed, this pogo effect, is a, a fluid flow instability. So it ended up basically chugging, if you want to look at it that way. But the chugging was of a degree that uh, it was uh, causing a, 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 what's called a pogo effect, like a, being on a jackhammer. It really wasn't that severe in the capsule. It was not, uh, we, we could feel this chattering. And then the light came on. We had an array of five lights, and that center light went out, which told us that engine had quit. I talked to the, uh, Dick Smith, the program manager at Marshall later. He, he said it probably wouldn't have taken too many more cycles before it would have broke the structure. It was sitting on a cross structure in that center stage, and would have had a much bigger bang right there. Uh, the, the critical issue then was, though, to get to orbit, we had to use uh, the, the, just the four engines burning and burn much longer, including uh, the third stage portion of that, because it was ignited uh, then after you separated the second stage to really get you fully in orbit. So it consumed more fuel than normally it would. We had the longest time of launch to insertion of any of the flights. And, but it didn't take long. The people on the ground did the calculations on the propellant and figured we, we had margin, enough margin, I don't know how many seconds, but enough margin to ignite it again and, and make that maneuver uh, using the engine to accelerate to 25,000 miles an hour and uh, get on our way. So it, it really, and it, toward a sense of the mission, it had no, really no effect. When the second stage engines finally shut down, the S-4B stage ignited, and pushed the spacecraft to orbit. And S4 ignition, Houston. Roger that, Jim. Thrust looks good. Roger. 13 Houston, you're looking good. Trajectory guidance, CMC are all go. Thank you, Joe. And at 10 minutes, 30 seconds, we are now 102 miles in altitude, 1,080 miles downrange. 13 Houston at 11 minutes, your go. Predicted cutoff on the S-4B is 12 plus 3-4, over. Apollo 13 uh, Houston, your go at 11 and a half, and predicted cutoff time is 12 plus 3-4, over. Understand 12 plus 3-4, predicted cutoff time. That's affirm. Coming up on 12 minutes, still looking good. We're standing by now for a crew report of third stage shutdown. Seco. Copy Seco, Jim. We're looking at the disky. Roger. And the flight dynamics officer says at first glance we look good on the orbit. Apollo 13 Houston, you have a go orbit all sources and the booster is safe. Over. Go orbit and the booster is safe. Thank you, Joe. Don't mention it. 
The booster engineer reports at this time that the S-4B third stage looks good, uh, being configured now for orbital operations. We're standing by for a confirmation from the flight dynamics officer of our preliminary orbit. FIDO confirmation was good, and Apollo 13 was now in orbit. Apollo 13, Houston, uh, your preliminary orbit down here is 102.5 times 100.3, and everything is looking good. Roger, Houston, and it looks good to be up here again. I'll bet. This is mission control at 17 minutes. We've had loss of signal with the spacecraft. We'll be reacquiring shortly through the Canary Island tracking station. The uh, total burn duration on the uh, third stage uh, was about uh, 45 seconds longer than planned. We would not expect at this point that this would have any uh, serious effect on the translunar injection. The fact that we did consume uh, a bit more propellant out of the third stage than was uh, originally planned. We're standing by now for acquisition of signal through the Canary Island station. We should be reacquiring radio contact with the spacecraft shortly. Have you ever wondered what it would feel like to ride the Saturn V to Earth orbit? Well, for Swigert and Hayes, neither of whom had been in space before, the experiences of launch and orbit were brand new and exciting. Here is a clip of Fred Hayes describing his launch experience on the mighty Saturn V. Well, I guess I'd say it really doesn't give you a fast getaway. Uh, even though there's uh, five engines that generate a lot of thrust, uh, the entire stack weighs a lot. So it, it really doesn't move up and away very fast. Like, you'd get more of a kick in the pants if you were in a fighter airplane with an afterburner and you popped it in the burner to go down the runway, you'd feel bigger. But it keeps building uh, the pressure or the G's uh, pressing you into the couch because it's getting lighter. Every second it's burning tons of locks in uh, RP-1, which was the propellant of that first stage. So you're getting lighter as it's going up All and G's builds about uh, four and a half G's. They actually shut down on purpose the center engine early to maintain that G level so you don't get about four and a half at burnout where uh, the Saturn V first stage ends its job and it, you're separated and you go away. Now it's quite a jolt when it quits. It, it's uh, instant from the, the thrust it's producing at that point in time uh, which is built up to that level. You almost, if you weren't strapped in, you'd hit the instrument panel. Uh, when that happens. The other unusual sensation from being a, a fighter pilot is the couches we laid in were suspended on uh, actually uh, shock absorbers, if you will, uh, struts, and weren't tied on the sides so that the, the couches we lay in could move quite a bit. And uh, the way that the engines gimbaled uh, to steer the rocket, it gave us a lot of rocking around in the capsule because we're way up on top uh, which probably exaggerated that uh, motion so you got a lot of jerking around in the capsule uh, going uphill on that first stage. For Lovell making his fourth trip atop a rocket and his second trip atop the massive Saturn V it was little more than a return to business. After the command and service module orbital checkout 
and updating of the trajectory parameters, the next critical maneuver was the translunar injection burn. Flight Director Wendier gave the go for TLI. Mission Control heaved a sigh of relief, thinking that they had gotten through what probably would be the one major glitch in the mission. The crew is rather quiet at this time, preparing uh, for that translunar injection burn. Uh, the burn again scheduled to begin at 2 hours 35 minutes 44 seconds. The predicted duration of the burn is 5 minutes 47 seconds, and we expect that the uh, spacecraft uh, and S-4B will accelerate some 10,417 feet per second as a result of that maneuver. Uh, we will not uh, get data from the burn. Uh, we'll be out of acquisition uh, with the spacecraft at the time the uh, maneuver occurs. Uh, three Araya aircraft, Apollo range instrumented aircraft, are stationed in the ground track off the coast of Australia uh, underneath the, the point on Earth where the translunar injection burn will be occurring. And they'll be recording data from it, which we could play back uh, somewhat later if necessary. Uh, we expect communications will continue to be somewhat noisy uh, during the time that uh, conversation from the spacecraft is being relayed through the Araya aircraft. Uh, we're now just a little more than one minute away from the scheduled beginning of that burn. Copy that, Jim. Good deal. Copy that, Jim. Good deal. Jim Lovell reports we have ignition. Lovell's report would indicate we had a very close to on-time uh, ignition. The total burn duration should be about 5 minutes 47 seconds. Okay, so far. Houston, Roger. Uh, Jim Lovell just reported that everything uh, looks good with that burn. Uh, we're still about seven minutes away from reacquiring the spacecraft through the uh, station at Hawaii, at which time we'll get our first good look at the trajectory as a result of this burn. Uh, we're now three and a half minutes into the uh, translunar injection burn, some uh, two minutes. 17 seconds remaining in the uh, maneuver, which will start Apollo 13 en route to the moon. Now about 20 seconds away from the scheduled shutdown time, uh, Jim Lovell re reported a few moments ago that uh, they're experience a bit, experiencing a bit of vibration uh, on the S-4B. Uh, previous crews have also reported uh, a similar experience toward the end of the burn. It's off. Engine off. Houston copy, engine off. Lovell's report of uh, engine off came about five or six seconds uh, after the uh, pre-planned time. Hawaii in three minutes. And 13 Houston, the booster reports uh, that everything looks good with the S-4. Sounds good, Houston. Uh, the ride was uh, very uh, nominal. We had a little vibration, though, during most of the run. Okay, we copied your call on that, Jim. Okay, uh, Joe. Uh the Disky Red uh, 35560 plus 04445 plus 01769 and LVC was minus uh, 3.0. Oh, Roger. <laughs> you can't ask for much better than that. Uh, how about the burn time? Did you notice? Okay, on uh, my trusty watch, I had about uh, three and three quarter seconds uh, long.
Okay, copy that. With the astronauts now on course to the moon, it was time to separate the command module service module from the S-4B and to pull out the lunar module from the top of the third stage. This is Mission Control. We're now at 2 hours 54 minutes with the crew uh, preparing for the CSM uh, separation from the S-4B, the subsequent docking uh, with the lunar module and the ejection of the uh, LAM and command module from the Saturn third stage. Uh, the times of all of those events are all, almost precisely as uh, indicated in the flight plan. Uh, the separation maneuver is scheduled to occur at uh, ground elapse time of 3 hours 6 minutes 37 seconds. And the uh, uh, docking would come then with the LEM at uh, 3 hours 16 minutes ground elapsed time. Our displays in mission control are showing the effects of the uh, translunar injection burn. We currently show the spacecraft at an altitude of 1183 nautical miles, uh, traveling at a velocity of 31,406 feet per second. And now, the uninterrupted separation, transposition, and docking of Apollo 13. Okay, Houston uh, 13, we have a go for fire alarm. Uh, 13, Houston affirmative, your go for fire alarm, and uh, recommend you secure the cabin pressurization. Uh, we did. We closed the... Uh Waste management vent valve there. Or waste valve. Okay, uh, we're reading 6 PSI in the cabin, Jay. Okay, Roger, Joe. Thank you very much. Telemetry data uh, here on the ground indicates that the spacecraft has separated from the S-4B. Astronaut uh, Jack Swigert at this time would be in the uh, commander's couch, the left-hand couch at the controls of the spacecraft during the transposition and docking maneuvers. And we should be getting uh, television transmissions from the spacecraft uh, beginning at about 3 hours 15 minutes ground elapsed time. Yeah, that's quite a bang, Joe. We're separated. We're pitched around about uh, 60 degrees now. Uh, Roger, Jack. We see you pitching. Okay, we got the uh, flaw panels. One of them's out in front now. Uh, so. Swigert reporting that the slaw panels on the S-4B are coming into view. Got the S-4B. I guess we're about 80 feet. Good deal. Okay, I'm going to come on with the TV nodule. Okay, Fred, we're waiting for it. Uh, the network controller reports we're getting television signals now from the spacecraft a bit earlier than expected. Uh, the crew is apparently somewhat ahead of the timeline in the transposition and docking uh, maneuver. And we'll stand by for a television picture. 13 Houston, we got a groovy TV picture. Sounds good. Uh, we're looking down the nose of the S-4B, minus its uh, slaw panels at this time, a top view of the LEM. Uh, last report, uh, Swigert said they were 80 feet away from the S-4B. 
and uh, that distance should be closing. Uh, is the uh, focus good enough, Joe, that you can see all the uh, glittering uh, debris? Uh, we've seen some debris, Fred. Uh, the uh, booster itself is a little bit bright. What's your f-stop? Okay, I'm at uh, 22. Why don't you go up a click and let us have a look at that. Okay, you're at 24. Okay, let's uh, stay there for now, and I assume you're in peak. Take care. 13 Houston, uh, recommend rate 2 on the b -Nakes. Thank you. Fred Hayes is uh, manipulating the TV camera. We haven't determined yet which window of the command module we're looking out of. Uh, Jack Swigert in the uh, left-hand couch maneuvering uh, the spacecraft, the command module, into position for the docking. It's getting bigger. As you might know, Joe, I got the center seat again. I can't see a thing. Too bad. I gave the TV monitor. Now this view of the Saturn third stage and uh, the lunar module is coming to us from about 5,000 miles uh, beyond Earth. The spacecraft and uh, S-4B traveling at a speed of about 22,900 feet per second at this time. Okay, I'm be uh, moving the TV here directly. I'm going to pull it out of this bracket. Yep. 13 Houston, did you call? All right, John, be moving the uh, TV to uh, get a better shot here. Moving out of its bracket. Uh, okay, Fred, uh, it's just beginning to cut off at the bottom, but it's still a very good picture. That's a good picture, Fred. Yeah, we're just about there. About uh, ten, 10 more feet now. Right. Everything looks pretty good down in the S4B to... Uh, the shroud uh, still looks intact down there. Good deal. There's really quite a bit of detail in this picture. Okay, we've, we've got two barber poles. Houston, roger. Okay, you should be able to see down into the uh, portion of the IU right now, Joe. Uh, Fred Houston, uh, we'd like to try going to average on the TV uh, for a minute or so. Hey, you got average and a uh, little uh, yellow dust cap just floated by in front of us. Yeah, we see it top of the screen. And uh, Fred, uh, after a few minutes of this, uh, at your convenience, uh, we could use some interior shots if you get the time and if the lighting is good. Okay. And uh, 13 Houston, the S4B vent times are uh, nominal as in the flight plan within a few seconds. Hard dock, Houston. Roger, understand hard dock. Good deal. Uh... At T plus four hours, the astronauts were ready to remove the lunar module from the third stage. Okay, how's that uh, picture looking back at that now, Joe? We're getting ready for uh, lemming stretch. Okay, that looks pretty good, Fred. Uh, Houston, this is uh, 13, and we have a go for power one. 13 Houston, affirmative. Your go for pyro arm. Hey, Joe, uh, when we uh, 
went back up and rechecked the tunnel there, we found two latches that weren't uh, cocked, and uh, we reset them. Oh, Roger that check. Joe, I got a beautiful view of uh, the earth out window one. Right away. And the windows came through in real good shape. Uh, window five looks real clean, so I'm kind of hopeful that Icon stuff will be really good. Good deal. Okay, 13 Houston, uh, your go for Lensep uh, whenever you're ready. Roger. Okay, 13 Houston, uh, correction on that, your go for Lensep at the nominal time, and uh, for later, we don't want it early. Okay, Joe, we'll do it at 401, Roger. We're now about two minutes away from the scheduled uh, CSM LAM ejection time. At that time, uh, the uh, crew will activate a switch which separates the, uh, or which uh, fires pyrotechnics, uh, separating uh, tie-down straps and the uh, spring actuators at the attach points of the LAM landing gear. Uh, we'll eject the LAM in the command and service module at a velocity of about eight-tenths of a foot per second. Uh, this will be coupled then with a, a short burn with the reaction control system jets, adding another four-tenths of a foot per second uh, to the separation velocity, giving them a total separation velocity of 1.2 feet per second. Okay, we're about ready to uh, pull the limb out, Joe. Okay, 13. There she comes. Okay, it looks like we're uh, we're clear, Joe. Okay, uh, looks good. It's weird because we get the TV about 10 seconds after you call it. Lovell, Hayes, and Swigert are now heading toward the moon in their docked, command, and lunar modules. Everything is going smoothly on this routine flight to the moon. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 264 of the Space Rocket History Podcast, entitled Apollo 13, Orbit, Translunar Injection, Docking, and Extraction. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. I want to give a big shout out to all my longtime listeners. Thanks for staying subscribed. And extend a warm welcome to my new listeners. I'm glad you're here. Today, we salute my Rocket Emoji donors. These donors have donated for at least two years in a row and receive a Rocket Emoji next to their name on the donors list. Thank you, Rocket Emoji donors, for your continued support. Okay, I had a few afterthoughts about this week's episode. First, uh, we may be a day or two late on next week's episode. We will have an episode next week, but it may be Friday or Saturday before it gets posted because I have to go out of town again. I want to credit my sources. A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin. Failure is Not an Option by Gene Krantz. The Apollo 13 Flight Journal. Lost Moon by Jim Lovell. 
Kennedy Space Center and Johnson Space Center and Wikipedia. Well, Apollo 13 sure is proceeding along smoothly after that one glitch where the second stage center engine cut off too early. Mission Control took that long sigh of relief, hoping that they had survived their only glitch for this mission. Yes, as Gilligan used to tell the skipper, from here on out, it looks like smooth sailing. In case you didn't catch that, that is a reference to the TV show Gilligan's Island. It was made in the 1960s, and it was groovy. Gilligan used to make that comment just before disaster struck. Okay, I have posted some pictures and the audio for this episode on my homepage, spacerockethistory.com. Hope you check that out. We were pleased to receive three donations to support the podcast over the past week. Christian O. donated at the Orion level. Russell J. from Georgia donated at the Mercury level. Lawrence W. sent in another donation this year and moved to the Mercury level with Rocket Emoji. Our Patreon donors are still at 175 with a goal of reaching 218 by the end of the year, and our overall donors are at 303. For those of you who are enjoying the content provided here and have not donated yet in 2018, please consider supporting the podcast if you're financially able. Keep in mind, Space Rocket History is entirely listener-funded. I depend upon your financial support to keep the podcast going. To support the podcast, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com, click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. All donors are rewarded with their name on the donors page at the level they choose to donate. For those of you who have already donated for 2018, thank you very much. This week, we are giving away the new official SRH logo magnet. It is three inches in diameter, round, and will stick to most refrigerators. To select the winner, Mrs. SRH gave every 2018 donor a number, then she put them in the Google Google random number generator and got the number for Pete Smith. Pete Smith, if you would email me, mike at spacerockethistory.com, tell me your address and I will mail this out to you. Okay, folks, that's all I have for this week. Remember, next week's episode may be a day or two late, like Friday or Saturday. So long for now.